He's a member of the rock and roll. <clears throat> hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I am your host, as always, Roy Turner. Can you freaking believe it? Uh, but man, what a show we have this week. Uh, rock and Roll Hall of Fame member, uh, drummer for Talking Heads in the Tom Tom Club. My man Chris Franz is here. Um, that's a big deal for me. Um, people who know me personally know that uh, the Talking Heads are uh, one of my all-time favorite bands. Uh, not just a band, but they're just kind of in my DNA. They're one of the probably the top three of the bands I listen to the most. Uh, just obsessed with them since I was like ten years old. Uh, I tell a great story. Uh, during my interview with Chris that I won't repeat here, but uh, you'll have to um, listen, to it, listen to it during the interview, uh, and you'll just kind of see. They've just been a big part of my life, like as long as I can remember. Um, one part that I'll share with you now uh, was that how I discovered uh, them was through, like a lot of people, was through the live uh, film, Stop Making Sense and, and all that. So... Uh, um, how I came to that was, was at least it's very interesting to me and it was just such a great treat to be able to tell Chris that story uh, and we he's a great guy and uh, we uh, shared a lot of laughs and had a great talk and the reason why we were what we're discussing is that he has a, a book uh, called Remain in Love of course obviously if you're a Talking Heads fan you know that's in reference to uh, the brilliant landmark album from 1980 for the Talking Heads called Remain in Light. And the reason why it's called Remain in Love, is if you don't know, is that uh, the Talking Heads bass player is his wife, Tina Weymouth, who, and they are still together. So it's a great, great book of the longevity of the band and their relationship and just what a freaking life this dude has led. How many people get to be not in one, but in two really great bands? Uh, one in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and got to do it uh, with his, his best friend, uh, who was also his wife. So... Uh, the book is just it's fantastic it's so much fun even if you're just you know not just the, the total talking heads geek that I am uh, it just it's just a great read so I mean, check out Remain in Love by Chris Franz and uh, what's cool is it it's kind of fits right in with our All Things 1980 uh, series if you remember last year when I started this kind of thing when I did the 30 years of 1989 it took me like three full episodes and I, I and I really enjoyed doing them, and not and uh, not the 1980 didn't have you know three episodes worth of uh, events and awesomeness and just you know historical pivotal moments that I would like to mention uh, to fill three episodes. It would I probably could do ten of them, but I decided to do as you know one big long one. Uh, but like you know what is it Murphy's Law? Um, it seems like every day or every week or every minute since then, something comes up that was like, oh, that happened in 1980 that I would have liked to have, have talked about or added to the episode. Uh, so, you know what? We're just going to keep going, man. Uh, if there's anything uh, around that, and I kind of wanted to do a whole thing around Remain in Light uh, kind of as a uh, companion to the 1980 thing so so we're still celebrating all things 1980 again remain in life celebrates 40 years if you can believe it uh and what a great 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 album that is and i'm gonna actually gonna play a rare track from that uh coming up before we have chris on uh i guess one of the things that i wanted to mention about 1980 uh just a few little small little things that were may individually may not be that big of a deal but collectively i'm like oh okay i, I wanted to add to that i wanted to talk about that 
And one of those things was, you know, we were talking about what is a great year 1980 uh, is for music and so many different types of things. And we want to uh, want to encourage everybody to check out our All Things 1980 playlist on Spotify. We have links to it on our website at trickykid.com. That's T-R-I-C-K-Y hyphen K-I-D dot com. And trickykid.com is going to be looking a whole lot different and that means a whole lot better. Uh, coming up in a few weeks. I've been working on this. My team's been working on this since January. Uh, I feel like I've been really working on it for the last 10 years, but that thing is about to look a whole lot different, and I'm very, very, very excited about that. And along with that, we're going to have a lot of neat new things. Uh, you'll be seeing a lot more about our King's X film project uh, and our other projects, well, our other film projects. And that's not the only one we've got in the, got in the, the only iron we have in the fire right now. Uh, and of course, you'll be able to uh, stream and download this podcast just like you do each uh, and every week. Um, but on that playlist, it's a great playlist because, you know, country music was such a big, prominent thing in 1980. Uh, and, you know, a lot of little different little subgenres started popping up. Uh, and it was a massive watershed year for metal, especially uh, British metal. Uh, Judas Priest's British Steel, uh, of course, Ace uh, Spades from Motorhead, the first Iron Maiden record. And I think all those came out in like the same week or something. It's just insane. Um, but the very first Monsters of Rock, you know, like, the, you know, the, the destination for that. I've always wanted to go to one of those. I've been to every major uh, American festival. And I've been to a couple in Europe, but I've never been to what used to be called uh, called Donington. I think it's now called the Download Festival. But uh, anytime you've seen any of those those great footage, you see the the, the Dunlop uh, like arch and these these insane lineups. Well, the very very first one uh, is called the Monsters of Rock. It's a heavy metal festival. It's at Donington Park in England, uh, and it was headlined by uh, it was Rainbow Judas Priest. Uh, and the Scorpions, along with April Wine, Saxon, Riot, in uh, Touch, and I think I think there was maybe one other band. But anyway, that that all kicked off in 1980, man. And another one that was a very influential part of music, and I feel like I kind of talked about this a little bit, but but definitely not enough. And certainly, I, I really didn't you know give it the focus that it needed. And I could do an entire episode about this, but uh, but uh, Roland. Of course, came out with the 808 drum machine, man. Which, even you know, today people are are, are using you know that 808 drum, that that Lynn drum sound. Uh, God, Prince with 1999. Um, I'm not saying there wouldn't be 1999. I'm sure that Prince would have found a way to to, to express himself in some way, uh, but it wouldn't have sounded the way that it sounds uh, without that. Uh, that just what a legendary thing, especially in the world of hip hop. I mean that the <laughs> You can't separate uh, the Roland 808, the, the, especially the, the TR-808 drum machine that came out in 1980, uh, is responsible of what gave birth to so much and made it possible for so many great hip-hop artists to make all those great classics. And speaking of hip-hop, uh, kind of a good thing about a bad thing, uh, I can't believe they finally, after 18 freaking years, I heard today that the rests were finally made uh, and the murder of Run DMC's Jam Master Jay. It's just one of the most tragic things ever. I think I've, I, the only time I've ever actually wept when I heard about a celebrity or somebody that I did not know that I admired had passed. Uh, Jay was definitely the first one. He was the reason why I started DJing. Run DMC were my entire life in the 80s. Um, God, and still kind of are. I, um, so 
Uh, I hate that their story uh, ended like that. Um, I just as much as I how much I hate how how Prince's story ended the way that it did. But uh, but you know a little bit of uh, a little bit of closure there. It looks like that they are falling and are be able to wrap that up. I know a lot of people feel like that uh, when those things happen, it brings uh, them closure and justice. Uh, I'm somebody who. Um, doesn't really find a whole lot of peace in, in in those type of things. It doesn't bring the person back. But uh, but if anything can happen, at least uh, you know we can find out and we can know, and 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 that is strength to be able to move on. But uh, anyway, um, peace and love to uh, to to DMC um, and of course Reverend Run and to Jay's family. And speaking of my man DMC, who we hope to have on the show soon. He has been involved in comics for the last couple of years, and my girl Amy Chu, uh, who was writing his, the Red Sonia book and all my favorite stuff, and uh, along with my literally my greatest influence of all time, Larry Hama from GI Joe, whose art I have tattooed all over my body, and this whole office and studio is basically a shrine to his work. Uh, all three of them, like the fucking dream team, man, Amy, Larry. Uh, and Daryl McDaniel, man, that's going to be cool. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what they're going to uh, to do with that. And a couple of those little small, little fun little facts here, uh, just just kind of just kind of throw out there is that uh, my wife watches this show called The Last Alaskans, and it's just it's a very neat uh, show. It's it's non sensationalized, and basically it's the last people who live in this frontier of uh, of Alaska that they've only allowed X amount of. Um, people to create homesteads there and once they're gone then that's that's going to be it uh but the law that was enacted that made that possible uh took place in 1980 um we're i know we're a couple years late here but we're just now getting the true detective um uh, third season which i'm thoroughly enjoying of course i thought the first season was one of the greatest things i've ever seen i know a lot of people shit on season two i thought it was great too but it just you know, if that was the first season, you would be talking great about it. But your people only want to compare it to season one, and you know it didn't live up to that. But season three is right up there, man. Really enjoying it. Uh, and the case um, that they're doing uh, that took place in 1980, and actually took place in Arkansas, and I remember it well. Um, unfortunately, something like that that was so uh, just so insane and just so tragic and just. Uh, had so many twists and turns to it, uh, made local news, and then of course it became national news. So I thought that was kind of a interesting uh, parallel that we're, uh, you know, we're not watching the Alaska Alaskans or True Detective because we're celebrating 1980. It just happens to fall into our lap, you know. But uh, and also, you know, I was thinking about, uh, you know, of course, I'm right now. I'm trying to get. I, I'm uh, I'm a longtime collector of baseball cards. And I stopped around 92 and kind of picked it back up about three or four years ago. And I thought, man, you know, I really I really started in like an 86. And I thought, man, while I'm doing this yearly thing of the 80s, I'm going to pick up a set. So I'm going to pick up 1980 this year. I'm going to pick up 1981 next year. And, and 80, of course, was, um, you know, the rookie cards for, for Ricky Henderson, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, and I think also... Uh, and I think also the TV show Solid Gold, talking about, about fun TV music shows, uh, started also uh, in 1980. 
And for all, again, your 1980 needs, make sure you do check out that episode. We worked so insanely hard on it. I know it's long, and I hope that you will be glad that it's long. It's got Barry Corbin. It's got Flash Gordon, Sam Jones. I reunite with my first friend after 38 years. Uh, my man, Bo Williams. Uh, lots of great music. Uh, please check that out. And we're also going to be continuing is that next week I've got... Uh, oh man, I'm so excited for you guys to check this out. So, uh, so, so Bradford and Brett, uh, who from Windows Pictures, that are some great documentary, uh, um, documentary filmmakers uh, from Houston, now based in Alabama, they made a great film called Jasper Mall, and these guys are like should be my absolute best friends. I mean, they've made they made a movie about they made the Glow documentary. They're obsessed with Glow, and all those girls are now great friends of mine, and. And rest in peace to Becky, uh, uh, the farmer's daughter. We just lost her. I was very sad about that. But so that enough would have would would definitely bond us. But number two, then they made uh, God. There's so many other great ones. Um, uh, mall culture, and again, like I said, talking about 1980, they made one uh, on the Rock of Fire explosion. Those wonderful animatronic uh, things that, that appeared in Showbiz Pizza that started in 1980, just up the road here from us uh, in Irving, Texas. So, so keep it rocking, and I think we're going to try to take on 1990s and having to wait 10 years. Why not? It's been 30 years. We might as well just go ahead and get into that one too. So, lots of great stuff to look forward to. Uh, and uh, and, and then, in fact, I think the 1990 episode. Is going to be uh, season our season six premiere uh, in September. Uh, so check that out. Uh, again, uh, can't wait for you to hear this chat with Chris Franz. Um, let us know what you think. Let us know about all the different episodes. Uh, what you'd like to hear uh, more and more. We'd love your feedback. Uh, we've got a lot of neat things coming up. We're going to be start having uh, premium um, uh, content that you'll be actually able to. Uh, to participate, uh, there's a great, uh, um, I'm sorry, a great website called Hopin. It's kind of like Zoom that we've been using a lot. And pretty soon, when I start having these big stars on, uh, I'm going to have some of my subscribers actually being able to log, excuse me, log on uh, via and witness the interview as they are live and and take questions at the end. Uh, the whole point of this at some point is I, is why I want to do this show in front of a live audience. And if it hasn't been for the COVID thing, uh, that was actually already going to be happening this summer. I already had a couple of uh, dates booked um, in Texas, uh, one at the House of Blues uh, in Dallas and, and also in Houston. Uh, so, you know, hopefully we'll be able to, to get that all back together and we just... Um, Love for you to be, to, you know, to just to grow and to expand with us and be a part of things. And so make sure you subscribe so that you can have that incentive to be a part of, of events like that. I mean, imagine if you're a massive Talking Heads fan, all you have to do is click subscribe, which is free, and then be a part of suddenly you're able to watch uh, Chris Franz uh, being interviewed and asking all the questions and you asking questions from the comfort of your own home. So uh, so that's a really great thing. Obviously, we're on Twitter under Tricky Kid the number two, Instagram under DJ Tricky Kid. Real fast, I wanted to plug this. So uh, my the Twitch account, Twitch TV for Tricky Kid TV is about to launch, and I'm going to do two uh, separate streams. Uh, you know, I know it's been for for gamers, and I will do some gaming stuff on there, retro gaming, I, I should say. Uh, but I'm going to start out with my DJ Tricky Kid stuff. I'm, I've made a mix of, of summer songs that 
all only using songs that came out this year. Typically, I just do a fun, you know, summer mix using new and old and lots of mashups and and there's a few, you know, little vocal drops from older stuff. But it's it's all the the, the foundation of it is songs that came out uh, this year. And then I did a separate one because I have finally have discovered uh, K-pop. Now I've DJed at you know Akon and anime festivals and stuff all over the country, especially right here in Texas where they have Akon every year and and um, IckyCon and all that, and I've just been wanting to do it. I love it, uh, but it was actually uh, <laughs> uh, our great friend and doctor who delivered both of our children. Uh, shout out to, to, to our beloved Dr. Laura Bradley at North Texas OBGYN. Uh, she's a K-pop fanatic, and she turned me on to some bands, and so uh, I've been really getting into like Blackpink and uh, golly, uh, Itzy, and what God, there's so many of them, Luna and G friend and um, just great stuff into it so I put together an entire mix uh, called summer of k-pop 2020 so that's gonna be launching on twitch TV we will have links for that as well uh, so that's two mixes you can look forward to uh, make sure you subscribe to us on Spotify uh, stitcher iTunes uh, the whole bit and go to anchor.fm it's for, for exclusive content that is actually separate from the show uh, gives you a little more of an incentive there as well. So anyway, so enough plugging. I'm going to play you a rare track, actually, from Remain in Light. Doesn't you love it whenever you get something extra from an album you, that you know frontwards and backwards? Uh, and then we'll be right back uh, with Chris Franz. So check this out. This is this is a song called Unison. Uh, and it was uh, kind of an unfinished outtake uh, from the Remain in Light sessions. And uh, we'll be right back uh, with drummer Chris Franz from the Talking Heads and the Tom Tom Club talking about his book, Remain in Love. And uh, check us out, man. This is going to be a great chat. And we'll be right back.
Hey guys, this is Sunny Suicide, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, that song was called Unison. Again, it was a, an unfinished outtake from the Remain in Light sessions. Uh, that whole album has just so much great, not just music, but uh, iconography, uh, the image, uh, symbolism, uh, produced by Brian Eno, uh, just amazing great stuff had had also had a very um kind of kind of a wartime type of um of vibe to it and a lot of things that inspired it uh you know the testimony of watergate scandal conspirator john dean uh was one of the several inspirations uh for the lyrics that kind of weave in and out all the way uh, uh through it uh, and those planes that you see on the original album cover there, uh, those are called uh, Grumon Avengers. Uh, they were used by the U.S. Navy. Uh, and Tina Weymouth's father uh, had served in the U.S. Navy. And so it kind of inspired, you know, that initial cover art uh, that was later kind of used on the back of the LP. Uh, but then the actual uh, front part was, of course, uh, something that they uh, had all put together. I mean, I mean they all did meet at uh, the Rhode Island School of Design, so they're all... You know, great artist in that respect as well. Um, uh, anyway, we're about to learn a whole lot more, uh, so let's get the man uh, onto the program. Hall of Fame, he's a drummer for one of the greatest bands in the history of the freaking world, the Talking Heads, the Tom Tom Club, and many, many more, celebrating 40 years of their seminal album, Remain in Light. Uh, Chris has a new book called Remain in Love, uh, his great journey with his fellow bandmate and life mate, uh, Tina Weymouth. Please welcome to Tricky Kid Radio, Chris Franz. Chris, welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Well, so I read this book in like one, like literally almost probably two settings. Uh, my friend, what a life you have led. <laughs> well, yes, I... I I've been a very fortunate guy, you know, and I feel like um, when I wrote this book, I thought, what can I do to separate separate myself from every other rock and roll star that's written a memoir? Not that I think of myself as a star, actually, <laughs> <laughs> but but I but I, I thought, well, what is what would that be? And uh, I couldn't I couldn't. I couldn't think of any better reason than my my uh, my marriage and my life lifelong at this point love affair with Tina Weymouth, and um, uh, I guess I guess we're we're possibly the only married rhythm section. Can you think of one? I mean, I can't think of another one. You know, I was trying to think about that before because I was actually have that written down. I was like. Who who would be a peer in that in terms of just a married? You know, there have been band members that have been mar- married before or, or dated, but not on at this level. From I'm sure, like maybe you could count like uh, like Mick Fleetwood and, but I don't think. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't be a rhythm section. So I guess you guys are the only one. <laughs> well, y- yes, and, and and you know we one thing that's so great about it is we did along with David and Jerry. And uh, we did such great work together over the years, and and there's you know there's much to celebrate. So I felt like I should I should write my memories down while I've still got all my marbles. <laughs> right, right. It's still unbelievable to me to think that you uh, you turned seventy this year. Is that right? 
push it. I'm only 69. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, but you all, you, I don't know what you're doing, but you look fantastic, my friend. You look much, oh, much, well, much younger. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to take good care of myself. I, di- I didn't always do that, but I, you know, in recent in recent years, I've been trying to take good care of myself. Yeah. Well, also having forty years of, of spending your your career and life with the love of your life, it, it looks good on you, man. Well, thank you. It, it you know, uh, Tina's Tina's great to me, and I, I try to be good to her also. So, uh, I, you know, that helps. That helps one uh, get by. These are difficult times, you know. Yeah, so, very much so. Very, very much so. What did, what did she think of the book? Well, thank goodness she enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't show it to her until it was nearly finished, until I was... Uh, then I knew I, I had to check with her before I you know before it was published, and she was very helpful in editing, uh, particularly with punctuation and things like that that I I, I don't always get right the first time. <laughs> yeah, right, sure. But, but she she loved the vibe of it and the the positivity of it, and uh, she did make a few corrections like that that I. I agree. I had to agree. She was right, uh, but but mostly she was very happy with with what I'd written. Thank goodness. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything uh, specific or anything that she was adamant that she didn't want in the book or anything? Uh, no, no, actually there wasn't. Uh, and you know, I when I when I wrote this, I was kind of circumspect about certain things I felt like some things needed to be said and other things it wasn't necessary to say them so so those things I just didn't mention right (laughs) (laughs) but I guess what I mean is is that one thing I really enjoyed is uh, and with all due respect I just felt like that the the very early part of the book uh, you can feel this very youthful uh, restlessness uh, with you, and you, you had a great way of getting that onto the page. And the word, uh, I guess the only better word I can think of is that um, you can feel this kind of horniness. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a, a young guy's kind of, uh, uh, you know, capriciousness. Uh, and, and I really appreciate it. I, I thought you did a great job of being able to put that to paper. Oh, thank you very much. You know, I, I, I thought that was the term you used just now, horny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I thought that would go away, but it never goes away. It does. It does. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's probably why you've been married for forty years, my friend. It's, it's worked for you. Yes, you're probably right. Yeah. So, but talking about uh, taking exceptions to the book, do you think is there uh, is there anything do you think that David uh, would or wouldn't like about the book, or anything specific? He's very sensitive to any any form of criticism, and I, I notice that his fans are also very sensitive to that. Uh, there, there's almost a, a feeling that uh, David can do no wrong, right, uh, among his fans. But uh, you know, uh, none of us are perfect, right? Uh, that's for sure, and. Uh, uh, some of us are more perfect than others, <laughs> but, but, but um, you know, I'm I'm very grateful, and I, I I haven't forgotten how wonderful it was to work with David and Jerry and Tina 
and uh, and it was um, it was a great life, and and we did remarkable work together, which to this day still sounds hip. It does. And, uh, I'm I'm I've got to be grateful for that because imagine if it sounded terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we, we wouldn't be having this conversation, but. But no, the, the work we did with Talking Heads um, is, uh, well, that's our legacy, I guess you could say, and that and Tom Tom Club, and we, uh, we were very fortunate to have artistic, uh, critical, and also commercial success. All the, that's, you know, that's kind of an unlikely, uh, or an infrequent combination. But why? It's but, impossible. Uh, yeah, and uh, somehow we did that, and um, uh, you know. But do you? But do you think? But you think like if he's reading this, is there any one part of the book you could you could point to where you could think while you were writing it that you were thinking, okay, this dude, if he ever bothers to read this or he hears about it, he ain't gonna like this worth of shit. <laughs> well. Um, He's very, as I said before, he's very sensitive to criticism. So there, yeah, I'm, there are probably some some parts, but you know, I, I tried not to dwell on on. Uh, I tried not to be critical, really. I just state state the facts, what happened. Right, right, and, right. Uh, let the let the reader decide uh, whether that was right or that was wrong. Um, uh, you know. David was a, always a very unique and uh, different kind of person, and uh, that was one of the reasons we chose it to work with him, and uh, uh, or, or we could say chose him to work with us. Right. And and uh, you know in the early days it was very much a, a, a friends working together, and and it's too bad that you know. Some people deal with success very well, and it's 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 fun for them, and they enjoy it. And other people, it, it's not so much fun. Yeah. And, it, and uh, David was kind of socially awkward in the early days, and and I think maybe he'd faced a lot of rejection in his life up until that point. And so to suddenly have a lot of success was fun for him. But it also, I think, created a form, some form of anxiety or some form of uh, uh, discomfort, psychological discomfort that was difficult for him to deal with at times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I loved how positive uh, the book was. I, I do love the positive vibe. I'm somebody who always responds more to positivity. And, yep. and that's the main thing I, I, I want to focus on uh, here uh, today. Uh, and again, not dwell on the other thing. But, but one thing I would be remiss without saying is this, is that um, I personally am a massive fan of the band. Uh, have, it's been a big part of my life. Uh, but one thing that I've always have been frustrated with is like what you said earlier about how a lot of David's fans um, kind of put him on a in, a in a place where he can't do no wrong. And I just have never have seen an interview or seen any situation where um, someone has actually held him accountable or responsible for. Because on the other hand, he was 
you know, at times there's a there's a lot of difficulty and a lot of lot of lot of challenges there that it seemed like just to be not only in a band with him, but just to be near him. And so I, I, I did appreciate that while it, the overall feel of the book was positive, I, like you said, I'm glad that you told it like it was. Well, thank you. I, I You know, I, I swear everything I wrote was true. <laughs> and, and, um, I believe you know, it, yeah. You know, uh, David seems to be doing very well now. I mean, he's he's got a hit on Broadway. He's or has had a hit on Broadway, and um, you know that's a real feather in his cap. And I, I noticed that he, I, ha- I I haven't had any personal contact with David for gosh since the, shortly after the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, which was in two thousand two. So it's been a real long time, but. But we still email between each other, uh, you know, For we still have business together, licensing songs to films, and uh, we don't do commercials, but films and uh, TV programs, and we do very well at that, because, you know, the filmmakers, the directors love talking heads. Oh, yeah. Music. Uh, but, uh, so I, I get these email exchanges, and they're, they're very perfunctory and businesslike but they're cordial and uh, uh, one thing uh, you know I sent the book to Jerry and Jerry uh, was highly complimentary Jerry Harrison yeah yeah and uh, he told me how much he enjoyed it and um, I, I offered to send it to David but David's response was no please don't send me the book because <laughs> if if uh I, if I read it, then when people ask me what I thought of it, I'll have to tell them. But if I don't read it, then I can just say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't read it. <laughs> and not have to make a comment. So so that, that's sort of it in a nutshell uh, right there. Okay, but see, that, that right there drives me fucking insane, to be honest. Like, I, Because... In that situation, is is it, it's it's almost like he doesn't want to give you any more publicity. It, but there's always just been this kind of error of that he's just kind of above it. Like you mentioned, yeah. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Something that really upset me. I, I was so excited you guys were finally going to play together, and then at the actual ceremony, he didn't even fucking sit with you guys. That, that's true. That's true. He didn't. Uh, but uh, walk, walk, me, walk me through that day. Well, we, we had a really good time, actually. Good. Um, uh, we rehearsed for three days at a little rehearsal studio in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, we, we, we were going to play three songs, so we allowed like one day per song. Uh, and uh, we invited Bernie Worrell, the great keyboardist, and Steve Scales. Right. The fantastic percussionist to join us to enhance the sound, you know. Right. And we uh, we we rehearsed. We had fun. Our accountant brought us a bottle of Dom Perignon. All right. And we, and we all, <laughs> you know, we all toasted each other, and um, it, it it was very enjoyable, to tell you the truth. A little little little. Uh, it started off a little shaky because we hadn't really talked to each other for so long, but 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 by the third day we were cooking, you know. Yeah. And, and then we did our performance, and 
uh, yeah, uh, David and Jerry both sat at a table uh, separate from Tina and I. Uh, I. I don't know why we couldn't all sit at the same table, but I, I, I do know that David brought his new manager, and uh, and we were sitting with our, our longtime manager, Gary Kerfers, who, who also managed the Ramones, who were also being inducted that night. Right, right. And um, so, and, and Didi... Didi sat with at our table, because, Didi Ramon, because he didn't want to sit with Johnny. <laughs> and, uh, and who can blame him? That's right. That's right. <laughs> but but uh, uh, so we had, you know, it was it was a little, it was still a little. How shall I say? Not not as social as it could have been, uh, with with um, with David, uh, but. That's always been the case, I think, and um, everything was fine. We did our performance, and and then uh, you know after the show, we did a little press conference that you have to do, and they you know take pictures and ask you as the band if they're going to reunite and do a tour and all that. And uh, we got through that, and then there was the big party upstairs. That uh, this was at the Waldorf Astoria, right? And you know the the party really begins after the performances, and all the record companies have these big bashes uh, in the suites upstairs, and we were partying with the Ramones and uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and Gillian Welch, and uh, David disappeared, just never came to the party, and uh, you know. That was kind of a shame because we were, you know, Tina and I were basking in the afterglow of being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But uh, David wasn't interested in that. That uh, thankfully he did do the performance. Yeah. But yeah. But 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 again, like I said, you know, but you had been waiting on this moment for a long time, and a moment that you probably at one point had. You know, come to grips with it was probably never going to happen. So, yeah, so, true. so I'm glad that you, I'm glad to know that, that you enjoyed yourself and you. It wasn't you didn't let him and and all that bullshit determine what how your night and what your memory was going going to be. Um, yeah. One thing I, I never I never knew or I never uh, could quite figure out was that you guys stop touring at the height of your powers and, and popularity, I guess I would say commercially. Um, yeah. Why? Well, uh, David didn't want to tour with the band anymore. It, it's as simple as that. He said, he said, the movie will tour for us. And, uh, uh, you know, yeah. the movie did do very well, and, uh, and but, but that was just like, uh, anyway, he was tired of touring with Talking Heads, and so he just put his foot down and said, I'm not going to do it anymore. And um, uh, we kept hoping that he would come around and and realize that there are a lot of fans out there who would just love to see him. As, as Lou Reed used to say, you got to tour, man, because the fans, they want to view the body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, as if it were a funeral or something. But, uh, no, uh, David just adamantly refused and still does. 
so uh so we you know we kept busy with tom tom club uh-huh. and with producing other bands we we didn't we didn't just sit around and do nothing right right but but uh actually to tell you to, to tell you the truth sitting sitting around and doing nothing is really fun <laughs> <laughs> i found this out during the uh COVID-19 sequestering. (laughs) Right, right. Like you say to your your friend, hey, man, what you, on the phone, of course, hey, man, what you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You might remember a a Mike Judge film from the 90s called Office Space, and uh, when when asked, what would you do with a million dollars, his answer wasn't, you know, I'd save the world or make some sound investment. He just said, I would do nothing. I would sit on my ass. I would relax. I would do nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so it's, yeah, that's... yeah. Um, I wanted to mention something to you um, personally. On a, uh, was you talking about about the, the the movie kind of touring for you guys? Um, so I spent the first thirteen years of my life in Little Rock, Arkansas, small town, and uh-huh. there was a very unique theater there that it was probably wasn't called this, but we just called it the Round Theater because it was kind of like a like a planetarium, like a dome, like a panoramic screen. And uh-huh. to this day, I've never seen one like it before or since. And and what was interesting about it was that instead of having like five movies a month that would rotate. Uh, no shit. They would show one movie a year. Like I'm not. I mean, the one movie. This is back in you know eighty three, eighty four. They would show one movie for that entire year, and so because of that, the lettering on the marquee didn't have to share space with other movies. So the one movie were in these just giant, giant fucking letters that you could see from space, right? Well, I well I tell you that was because. I'm, let's say, like nine, ten years old. I'm a young guy, and uh, Return of the Jedi was obviously a, a major event in my life at that time. And when they took the letters down and they were replacing it, again, this only happens once a year. The letters that went up said, "Stop making sense." Uh-huh. And now I'm ten years old. I am programmed and conditioned to make sense. <laughs> So this 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 sentence, this little statement of stop making sense, was a revelation to me. And instead of like asking it or rebelling against it or questioning it, for some reason I was just so drawn to it. And and what the fun thing about it was was it probably around that time I had already probably had heard like um, you know burning down the house and a few of the hits y'all had on the radio, but I never knew that that's what that was. I never knew that that was about a band, that it was about the, this band of talking heads. It was so many years later when I, I guess I was here, I guess I think I heard Girlfriend is Better on the radio. And then when I heard the line and then found out it was a concert film, that was a major, you know, full circle moment for me. And I'm sure you probably had a lot of people tell you um, what that film meant to them. So what? Yes. were you surprised by the, the life that that film still has? Um. You know, I'm not surprised because uh, the first time I, I, I saw it, I thought to myself, oh, man, we really did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, this, this is really good quality, uh, you know, music and and visuals. And it, the great thing about that movie, Stop Making Sense, is it, 
it's my way of thinking, everybody involved from the director and the director of photography and the, the, the cameraman and the sound man and, and our crew and the film crew and the band, everybody was kind of at the top of their game and just doing a, doing a really great job. Yeah. And, and uh, it shows. And, 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 I mean, thank goodness. Yes. Because, uh, because it, it, it is, I mean, yes, there are other cool concert films, but, but it really is up there with the very best. Uh, you know what, and it's, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, and for me, it's become something like a gift. And so, like, whenever I get to expose somebody to it, and you would think after all these years, like, who hasn't seen it that has any, even a cursory interest in the band, and it's become like this kind of midnight showing thing, but uh, I met my wife just three years ago, and she loves the band, but somehow hadn't seen it. So, of course, I was I couldn't wait uh, to show her this film, and so I, I, I love that it's it has that kind of life. You know, it's like, and and every time I see it, it like you said, it it still amazes me. Thirty plus years of just how immediate and relevant and weird and unique it is. Um, and so I'm I'm glad I'm glad to know that. What talk about longevity in terms of longevity? What do you think uh, the, the the main legacy of of Talking Heads and you personally is? The main legacy, um, well, uh, I would say the music. Uh, first of all, uh, the music we created at Talking Heads is I don't know. It, it was like some kind of alchemy, and and I think that. Um, I think that the fact that it still sounds hip and and people are still interested in hearing it today is is really fantastic. I'm I'm very proud of that, and I, I think we and Talking Heads should all give ourselves a pat on the back. Absolutely, <laughs> hell, hell yeah, exactly. And, and 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 the film and the videos we made also very good, but but. There wouldn't be any film or, or videos without the the songs, and and uh, so so I guess uh, I guess I'm I'm very pleased with our legacy of of interesting and different uh, from one to the other songs. They don't all just sound like the same same band even. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know, and that, and that's what was so great to see that film to stretch out because here's this very weird arty kind of nerdy kind of band and suddenly i mean it, it was like watching funkadelica all of a sudden i mean you've got this you got 30 you know you have you know two dozen people on stage and it has this real engine of just soul that's why it was just a shame like i said that uh you know the the live uh aspect of talking heads uh ended prematurely which only feels why people want to see it obviously uh yeah. so much more um uh, we're gonna take a quick break here for our listeners. My, my producer's giving me uh, the signal here, and we're gonna. I'm gonna have it. You'll hear the silence for like five seconds. Four, okay. three. Hmm. Hey there! If you just joined us, we're talking with Chris Franz. His book is out. It is called "Remain in Love: 
Uh, I'm sure you Talking Heads fans know the album Remain in Light. It's a fantastic book. It's a deep dive into an amazing life uh, all the way from his days at uh, the Rhode Island School of Design where he met Tina and the whole bit. Uh, Chris, uh, the book has been, is, is it's actually in stores now, right? People can actually can get the book, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, you can. Or, or uh, and, I always recommend the local bookstore, but it's also available on Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> I always I always push the bookstore too because I hear about these I hear these horror stories about these authors where Amazon is making more money off their book than they are, and that's ah uh, well yes that that would be unfortunate. But, yeah, uh, sometimes they're the only game in town, but you know. <laughs> well, 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 during during times like these, but I uh, I recommend anybody any any way anyhow you can get it, uh, get this book. It's fantastic. It really, uh, you, you know what I think where it also it succeeds is that um, you know you don't have to be a fan of of either of your bands. It just reads like a great positive love story of somebody who really had a lust for life and and knew what he wanted to do and i feel like that that was kind of uh what led to so much success in your life uh and it's inspiring and i i, I really enjoyed reading it um thank you so much That's, i appreciate that so when you when you look back though uh on on your life especially you know um, your life with Tina. Um, was there any part of the book that was challenging or difficult for you to write? Actually, no. You know, I, I uh, uh, there there were a few times when I got a little choked up and, and um, sort of uh, moved, you might say, by uh, by memories that that I had. But but no, it was it wasn't. I mean, any time you sit down to write a book that, that uh, well, this is the first time I'd ever done it, so it was a, <laughs> it, it was a challenge for me, uh, you know, I, one, or, one or two chapters, no big deal, but when you think about writing, you know, 50 or so chapters and, you know, 400 pages or so, it, it's, it gets to be a little, uh, shall we say, uh, uh, intimidating, <laughs> yeah. but I but I, I got over that. I, you know what I did? I, I'd been up in Vermont, and I bought myself a, a bottle of organic CBD oil. <laughs> and I, when, when I sat down to, to write, I, you know, I, I, I had a, a deal with a very good publisher, St. Martin's Press, and when I, when I sat down to write, I, I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? It's going to be so much work. And, and I started to get uh, this terrible anxiety attack. I don't have them frequently. I'm not a person who usually gets them, but I was getting one. And I took this CBD oil, uh, like a dropper full, and within five minutes, I was just chilled out and I could start writing. And, and uh, wow! Thank goodness for. for uh, you know the plants that calm us down. <laughs> well, I, I gotta get my hands on some of that because I uh, my my wife got me some like gummies, and I ate them, and I was like, "This is bullshit!" Like <laughs> I feel nothing. Like, <laughs> like I thought this was gonna be like Percocet, man. Like, um, 
you know, one thing I really related to was that uh, I moved uh, to New York City in 2006. Again, small town guy from nowhere, Arkansas, suddenly in the big city. And you really put the reader right there in the Bowery during a very... Uh, God, just a very a time that's almost mythical where, like you said, you'd walk down the street and go, oh, there's Johnny Thunders and Debbie Harry. And uh, it was just such a, uh, it was almost like something that dreams were made of. You know what I mean? Like, um, but but what I loved about it was that you've, you know, you have also been fortunate. You've had a lot of advantages in your life. Uh, come from a good family. So for yeah. you to pick up and to live like that in that area, man, you must have really loved this girl, man. <laughs> well, and vice versa. I mean, I, I think she she came down to, she came, well, she lived in that sketchy neighborhood uh, because she she was trying to, trying to help me and get me, you know, me and helped me and David actually get our band off the ground and um but yeah it was it was it was um you know it was like a hellhole sometimes but other times it was like oh wow this is the this is the bohemia I've always wanted right you know, like when you when <laughs> when you, when I went to CBGB's or certain you know gallery openings in Soho or something like that I, w- I would I would think this this is what I've wanted my whole life to be surrounded by interesting people who are most likely artists themselves and uh, you know you, you you remember the good things when I when I sat down to write about the Bowery though I I, re- I, I remembered some of the bad things <laughs> and, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, it, it, there was a period of adjustment there. I don't think I ever really adjusted to, uh, you know, you know, people having the DTs in the in broad daylight in the middle of the street or anything. <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, but I, I, you know, we 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 were very determined, and we were we were sort of laser focused on what what it, what it is we had to do to get our band going. And we, we just we just rolled with it, and it's young and in the big city, and, and like because even me in, in two thousand and six, I even look back on some of the things that I had to kind of do and deal with just to survive, and and but like you said, you just roll with it. It was such an excitement uh, to be there that I look back and go, "There's no way in hell I could have." I would be able to tolerate some of that now, but but it just shows you again, you know, the drive that you guys had. I I never knew that that you um, one of the I'll, I'll share this with you. One of the first things that I did do when I moved there was I went down there uh, to try to. Cause I'd heard that you guys had lived together and you know and you know that whole area, and I was and I would walk through there, kind of imagining what that would have looked like. So to, to hear it straight from you on the page was, for a guy like me who's, again, who loves the band and loves that time and things like that, that was, um, you know, it was ideal. Uh, but I never actually knew that David actually lived with you and Tina. That was kind of a revelation for me in the book. Uh, that must have been challenging at times as well. <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit, but but we got along very well. You know, we we had we had we had uh, the 
band in common, and that was uh, that was our our main focus. We had day jobs at first, you know, the mm-hmm. first year and a half. We all worked on Fifty Seventh Street. Tina and David and I. Tina worked at Henry Bendel's, which used to be on Fifty Seventh Street, a very high end ladies. Uh, designer clothing store and David worked at an ad agency also on 57th Street called oh I forget what it was called but their clients were like Prince Machiavelli and Jordache uh, <laughs> uh, jeans and stuff like that and and um, David ran the stat machine and, and uh, my job I was a stock boy and uh, you know so we, we had this uptown life in the daytime but then we would come back downtown yes <laughs> uh, after work and you know uh, we would prepare some little you know spaghetti dinner or something and then start playing our instruments and jamming together which is how we created our songs and uh, particularly in the early days and and uh it was a good life, you know. It was, I mean, bathroom in the hall. You know? <laughs> I mean, but that shit's fucking great, though. I mean, I mean, again, when you think about that time, that's just young people doing, because you could only do that kind of impossible lifestyle when you're that young and you're that hungry, you know? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right, yeah. But, but, um, but also, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you also have that as a comparison to what came later, you know? Yeah. And we, um, we, we had a, we had a good life, you know, it it was, uh, it was very funky and, and, uh, you know, no heat after five o'clock in the winter and certainly no air conditioning in the summertime when it got really hot. And, uh, you know, we didn't really have any friends in the, in our immediate neighborhood. But uh, we, we uh, I don't know, I, I, it's funny how you can kind of get, you can almost get nostalgic for it. Um, yeah, right, almost, right. Almost, yeah. almost. <laughs> uh, you know, and that was my thing too, was, was that I, I always thought this was going to be a glamorous thing. I'm in the big city, and I really had a hard time the first couple of years, and I thought the people that were having a good time were people that have just somehow figured it out better than I did. You know, they were just a little more clever, a little more cunning, and I was looking forward to that time for me. But what you realize that really what that experience is is that you love it as much as you hate it. But at some point, you are able to almost become nostalgic about it because it's such a uh, a special time in your life, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're right. You're right. And um, that... I, I, what I'm really nostalgic for, not so much the uh, the, the living conditions, but but the, uh, <laughs> the the sort of a camaraderie with the other bands, right? And, and we we were in competition with each other, but but I never felt like I I, I, I never felt like I was competing with say Blondie or I was competing with Television or or even the Ramones, right? Uh, certainly. Certainly not with Patti Smith. All the bands were different and different enough so that we all kind of had our own little, uh, well, I don't want to say niche, but something like our own style. Yeah. And uh, so that there was, 
you know, I, I, I miss chatting with Lenny Kay and David Johansson and Debbie Harry and, you know, Ivan Kral and all, all those good people, Richard Lloyd from television. I, 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 I miss hanging out with them. Well, but, um, yeah, golly, you know, yeah. We're, we're all older now. Richard <laughs> Lloyd lives in Richard Lloyd is in Chattanooga, you know, Tennessee, and uh, Debbie's somewhere in New Jersey, and you know, who who knows where Patty Smith is? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, where are you and Tina these days? Uh, I'm sorry. What? I said, where are you and Tina living these days? Oh, we, we live in Connecticut, about a little over an hour's drive north of New York City. Okay, yeah. okay, I, and, I, I thought so. I thought that's where you guys lived. Yeah, and we, we've we uh, got a house up here, the same house we live in now, in in 1985. So, wow. so we've been we, yeah, we've been here for a long time, and we for for a good la- a good while we we kept our place in New York. But then one day we, we sort of did the math and figured out that, that for the amount of money we were paying to maintain our place in New York, we could stay at the Plaza Hotel every night of the year. <laughs> so so uh, we decided to, uh, you know, give up our place in New York. And now, uh, I mean, we still, not lately, of course, but we, we were, you know, in... in, in 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 the city frequently at night to see shows and uh, yeah, hang out with our friends and stuff. Well, I mean, because you're still you know in somewhat proximity, and that was kind of you know also what you were saying about about the Bowery was that you know the, the rem- when you, when you have a conversation about 1977 78 uh, New York City Bowery. Every conversation that's mentioned that says about that that you say Talking Heads, Ramones, Blondie, Television, New York Dolls, but all those bands don't really sound a whole lot alike. It's just again the same time and, and same proximity. Um, and but so instead of being competitive, it really seems like it was kind of like you guys against the world, right? Yeah, it it it, it felt like you know it was like a little musical army going going out to. Uh conquer the world and and we did yeah and by more, the, more or less, more or less. <laughs> well but by the time you guys landed on remain in light um it, it's still one of those records to me that's like sergeant pepper or something where it's just like it just it gets better every time i always hear something different and I still can't believe that it even exists. Like every time I hear it, and I've been hearing this record since I was, you know, ten years old. So, uh, in the spirit that we're celebrating forty years of Remain in Light, walk me through like just a knee-jerk reaction when you think about that that album, you think about that tour and that time. What is the just the immediate thing that you think of? It's funny, but I I think of like. Uh, Gospel Church. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, you might not expect that answer, but the the, the Remain in Light tour was was so uh, exhilarating and and elevating, and the audience was right there with us. Uh, that uh, it was it was like I'm not talking about white gospel church. I'm talking about funky black gospel. Yeah, church. the real deal. But, and uh, well, you're from Arkansas. You know what I'm talking about. And it's uh, 
it's a, a very heartfelt and emotional and uh, almost visceral kind of uh, experience. Totally. But, but there's also God is involved and, and, and you know, whatever you want to call that great spirit. And so, so it, it became, uh, to me anyway, it became a, 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 an extremely, uh, well, virtually a, a religious experience every night. And, yeah. uh, and that, that was uh, something new for me. I, I didn't really feel the religious type experience um, in the earlier days of Talking Heads. But there is something spiritual about that record when I listen to it. First of all, it's a record that you listen to the whole thing or you don't even bother. And I love that. I love when records do that. And But whenever I, you know, it's like, an, it's like listening to that record is like an event. And it's the spirituality that I feel that makes it an event. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> you know, um... What, what are we looking forward to in the future uh, from you and Tina? Well, um, I, I believe Tina is going to be writing a book. or uh, it, I think she's already started. And uh, I have no idea what the book is going to be about. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a, you know, a personal history again, like kind of like I did. But maybe not. Maybe it's going to be something completely different. Um, and uh, we, we have some, you know, we're of a certain age now. We're kind of like elder statesmen, I guess you could say. <laughs> right. But, but uh, we still have some musical ideas and, and feelings. And I, I th we have a studio here. I, I think we could... I think we've still got a couple interesting tracks left in our arsenal. Well, I would be very excited to hear them. And I wanted to tell you, much love to you and to Tina. Again, the book is called Remain in Love. Uh, it's the story of Chris Francis' incredible life and his love story with his wife Tina and bandmate uh, from the legendary The Talking Heads. Uh, Chris, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Again, I know we had a little bit of issue there with, with Hop In, but man, uh, we got there. So Yeah, thank you, Tricky Kid. That's... <laughs> We, we, it, it was fun talking to you, and I, I, I wish you all the best. You as well, my friend. This is Eva Lovia, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Oh man, once again, I want to thank my man Chris Franz from the Talking Heads, the legendary Talking Heads, uh, and also from the Tom Tom Club. And one thing I love about that interview and with him uh, and also in this book is that somebody finally holds David Byrne 
accountable and responsible for all his bullshit. Uh, I love the Talking Heads, obviously. I love David Byrne in terms of his music, but God, what an asshole. And, you know, I've never met the guy. I just see him riding his bike around, uh, you know, New York City. But have you ever seen anybody who's just such, he just seems like he's so above them. And even in the album uh, Remain in Light, um, when they were originally, like, original copies of it, he tried to swipe uh, the credits uh, from them. And he said he did it at Brian Eno's insistence. But... They originally had agreed to do it in alphabetical order, and then he kind of gets in there, and all of a sudden, all the songs written by David Byrne and Brian Eno. Uh, of course, they had to, just, you know, Tina and uh, and Chris disputed it after they also had, you know, funded the damn thing. And then just just there's just one thing after the other where he just seems like he's just above it, and he's embarrassed by them or doesn't need them. And let me be, let me tell you something: there would be no David Byrne. We would not be talking about them without him being in Talking Heads, and he would not be in Talking Heads, nor would that band be what they were, uh, and still, you know, remain, pun intended, uh, if not for, for, for Chris and Tina. And I think that's very, very clear. Uh, and if it's not, uh, do some more research or check or read this book. Again, it's called Remain in, in, in Love, and it's about the longevity of, of his love with Tina Weymouth. And what a great life that, that they've had together, and just just an incredible life altogether. But uh, it was such a great, I, you know, it's one of those things. Is like, will I ever get the chance to to chat with Chris Franz and complain about what a dick David Byrne is? Well, I get to check that one off the list there. So uh, anyway, uh, but on a positive side, I'm going to end with something great. My actually, my favorite Talking Head song is actually the song um, called "Making Flippy Floppy" uh, from 1984's uh, "Speaking in Tongues," but primarily the live version that you hear from the you hear it so much that this is the greatest live album and film of all time it really is and in my opinion like i, I love portishead's um new york city thing from um from 98 but uh there's just something about this film that just it just resonates within me and has since i was like 10 years old man uh so when i first saw the word stop making sense which Again, that didn't make any sense to me. And so instead of rebelling against it, I, I, I it drew me towards it. So anyway, make sure you're checking us out. Uh, subscribe to us. Come on, man. Like I mentioned earlier in the middle of the show, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up. Some exclusive content. Um, we're going to be able to be a part of things. Especially when this King's X thing happens, we're going to have screenings and tickets and meet and greets and Q&As and all types of stuff you're going to want to be a part of. So make sure you subscribe uh, and join us and be part of the fun. Once again, thank you, Chris Franz. Uh, you're the man. I, you know, you've got nothing to. I know. I know. People think of David Byrne as the be-all, end-all, but uh, you know, again, like I said, you've got nothing to be uh, to be said about my friend, and I know he's not. But uh, um, you know, the great life that he has led uh, and has made, uh, you know, for himself along with Tina, and I look forward to hearing her book, man. I even joke with him that we would have to compare to it, but uh, uh, to compare the books there. But anyway, uh, it was such a great thing to be able to talk to a member of the Talking Heads. Again, I am your host as always, Roy Turner. This is Making Flippy Floppy live from the uh, Stop Making Sense film and uh, album. And if you have not heard or seen both, uh, then you better get on that shit now. And don't forget, next week we got uh, Brad and Brett from Windows Pictures talking about their documentary Jasper Mall. And uh, we'll see you next week.
conversation next time. We can do it in person. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. I'll talk to you okay, soon. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.